Well, you know, it is one of the most important human rights that we have. I mean, you and I would not be sitting here and able to talk in this way if we did not enjoy our freedom of expression. It's part of human dignity, human autonomy, the fact that we are humans, we think, we speak. Unfortunately, around the world, there are big challenges now. Uh, of course, there has always been a challenge about this, th this right is not an absolute right. Governments can restrict it, for example, uh, on grounds of national security or public order, sometimes to protect other people's rights. I cannot, for example, use my right of exp uh, freedom of expression to attack your reputation. Uh, so there are these restrictions. At the same time, uh, these are very important issues in the context of elections, for example, uh, freedom of the media, newspapers, as you know, in, in South Asia, there is a free media, the newspapers that are writing various things, television, uh, various issues come up. And of course, then there are, uh, they can, conflicts can arise because there are disagreements. And what we see increasingly now is digital technology. Digital technology has changed entirely the way in which we communicate. Uh, we no longer meet people. We are working on WhatsApp. Um, on, on VPN, on, on e with emails, and the old days you had professional journalists, you had newspapers, you had editors controlling what goes into a newspaper. Now anyone can go uh, on YouTube or online and post something. So there is a freedom there, uh, which is great for individuals because they feel very active. At the same time, there are also risks because we see, for example, on these uh, platforms, anyone writing anything sometimes means that some people are writing nasty things about other people or uh, putting uh, people in danger by what they are saying. So there is the good part of it where all of us can now express ourselves, freely communicate our ideas, share ideas across borders. But at the same time, there, are, there is also a risk because sometimes uh, this freedom is uh, misused and we get then uh, misinformation, disinformation, false information. We saw during COVID-19, for example, all kinds of uh, conspiracy theories going around about vaccines. As you have mentioned that because of the internet, there is so much mm. confusion and risk and threats actually. So what is your opinion about the role of the social media platforms? Mm. In your opinion, what are the challenges mm. or the risk or threats? I think the big challenge is about keeping social media open for everyone to use. It's an instrument, it's an egalitarian instrument. You know, it gives all of us an equal chance to express our ideas and share ideas and get a lot of information. I mean, in the old days, we would go to the library and would have to sit for hours. And now you Google and you get information. So there is that freedom. Uh, at the same time, Sometimes uh, there, there is, as I said, uh, misinformation, disinformation, harmful information. You know, uh, there are lies that are spread or there is a manipulation of information with the intent to harm. So how do we keep that freedom open, but at the same time introduce some rules of what should happen on the platforms? And that is a challenging thing uh, because it's very hard to define what is false and what is true. There are some things on, you, which, on which you and I will agree. We will all agree that the sun rises in the east and sets in the west. But then in politics, you might say, well, you like this particular party and you think this particular party is doing well. And I will say, no, that particular party is doing well. So we may have differences of opinion. So what is false and what is true is hard to determine. So when I say that there is disinformation on the platform, for you, that might be a point of view 
Uh, and that is why uh, my argument with governments has been don't censor. Don't censor because censorship means that the government knows the truth. And that is the truth you will hear. And of course, people will have different points of view. So in a democracy, you have to have different points of view. But allow free flow of information and ideas. Allow the companies to check what they're doing. What is happening now is that because of the way in which these social media platforms work, they need to make money from ads, from advertisements. So they need us to be on the platform so they can actually collect the data about what we are watching. And in order to do that, they have to give us sensational news. And sometimes sensational news happens to be disinformation, misinformation. So there is a sort of a money-making machine. You know, they're making money out of lies, if I can put it that way crudely. At the same time, that also means that the companies have to take some responsibility. So companies need to follow, and their UN has some guidelines on business and human rights, that companies need to do due diligence, which means they need to check how their business is affecting human rights. And if they see some danger and risk, they need to take action to prevent it. You mentioned that the the government should not censor the uh, freedom of expression mm -hmm. and because of uh, the social media platform or, or internet space, there is a very fine line where it becomes the hate speech. Yes. So where is the line? Well, under international law, you know, there are treaties, human rights treaties, which set out what these rights mean. And there is one aspect of it on, on hate speech, actually, where uh, governments are asked to prohibit, prohibit the kind of advocacy. If I use my power to talk in order to incite hatred against, on grounds of ethnicity or against certain religious groups, certain national groups, including also women, gender as well. So these are grounds, if I use my power of advocacy to create hatred with the intention that that will then lead to incitement where I'm inciting, encouraging with what I say, someone else to go and hurt, create violence, create hatred, uh, create um, discrimination, uh, then that is hate speech. And that governments are obliged to restrict. Because very often, you know, of course, governments are political organizations, right? They're political beings. So they may have their own political reasons for preventing uh, hate speech against one group, but not against another group. Those are the kinds of problems that come up. And it's my business sometimes, not a very pleasant business, but it's my business to draw attention of governments to these kinds of problems and say, look, the way you have interpreted this situation is not actually hate speech. Or... There is hate speech happening over here and you're doing nothing about it. You have mentioned or used the word gender disinformation in your report. Can you please elaborate more on this? You know, I, as I mentioned earlier, I'm the first woman to hold this mandate in 30 years. And when I started my mandate in 2020, my first report to the UN in 2021 was to look at freedom of expression from the perspective of women and girls. Now, if you look at it. Uh, in, in international law, it just says everyone has the right to share ideas and information of all kinds uh, across borders and so on. But I found that for women, freedom of expression means quite a different thing from men. Uh, for most men, you know, the, there is a law and you can speak within the law. You have your right and that's it. For women, you know, our expression, what we say, what we do, what we wear, 
doesn't only depend on the law. It depends on culture, custom, religion, family, all sorts of issues. So I started looking at this whole issue of freedom of expression from the female, from the gender lens, and I discovered there are three things that women in the digital age, with digital technology, are facing huge problems with. On the one hand, digital technology has give, given us great freedom. You know, women who are not allowed to go out of their homes, for example, in traditional societies can sit at home and on their uh, smartphones they can communicate, they can get information. So there's great freedom there. But at the same time, what's happening online, all the prejudices and um, sort of restrictions that exist in the offline world are being reproduced in the online world and you're getting a lot of attacks on women, a lot of criticism, hurtful untruth about women coming out, especially about women politicians, women journalists, women who are prominent in civil society. And you will see they usually get more attacked more about where they're going, what they're doing, who they're meeting, what they're wearing, everything comes out there. And it makes it very hard uh, for women to be able to lead public lives. Women in leadership positions, many women are now withdrawing from leadership positions. Uh, there was a survey done by UNESCO about women journalists and found 78% of uh, women journalists face attacks online. So the simple answer might be, well, why are they online? But if you're not online, you can't be a journalist these days because information is all online. You go online and then you get attacked. Okay, you can be criticized, but when they start criticizing you about your personal life, they start spreading rumors that are not true about you. Sometimes they call you incompetent because you're a woman you, and, and so on. It can be very hurtful and difficult and in some cases can create a lot of mental stress. So for me, gender disinformation is about the kind of dis disinformation that is used, false information that is spread in order to harm women and girls but going beyond that, it is actually to reaffirm the idea, the stereotypes about women, the prejudice, uh, the bias that exists, um, all the rules about how women should behave in society, all those things, uh, they, they entrench that, they use that to attack the way in which women behave. My report is about gender disinformation because we want to live in a world where there is gender equality today. There have been great strides made uh, in, in bringing forward women and now is the time to deal with this, these issues which are sometimes under the table. So bring them out in the open, show how prejudice and bias and stereotyping is being used to hold women back and you, governments have to address the issues, society has to address them too and social media has to address them so that women can actually really aspire for gender equality, take leadership positions. Because in a democratic society, all parts, all groups have to be heard. Otherwise, you know, you, it's not true democracy.